You are listening to You, Me, and an Album, Episode 74. I'm Al Melchior. Yeah. Oh, it totally has kind of a Motown sound to it, doesn't it? Eternal sleep. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely the spinners or maybe the temptations. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely has a 1960s Motown vibe to it. Like he's a shit talker, which is like anytime, like, you know, like, you know, where you get like a Peter Hook or like someone or like a Noel Gallagher, where they'll just like talk shit and name names like that. I'm like, I'm like that um, Jack Nicholson meme where I'm like, (laughs) 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 just nodding like, yeah. (laughs) Those were clips from Celeste Headley and Maggie Sirota from a couple of earlier episodes. And the common link between those clips is that they would have made for great video. So I'm hoping someday that I'll be recording all of this podcast episodes for both audio and video, but today is not that day. What I can tell you is that You, Me, and an Album now has a YouTube channel. So I'm going to spend this episode telling you about a couple of things that you're going to be able to access on the show's brand new YouTube channel. Uh, Next week, I'll be back with uh, just the normal format of a guest and an album, but I really want to get you up to speed here on this next step that I am taking with the podcast. So announcement number one, Uh, there's going to be a live stream event on YouTube this Monday, June 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. I've mentioned this on a couple of previous episodes, but really want to make sure that as many people know about it as possible. I've got some great guests, all guests, by the way, that have been on the show previously. Rebecca Clay Cole, she's actually been on the show twice. She is now a member of Pavement. She's been a member of Wild Flag and the Minders. She's going to be on the show. Mariana Timoney. Uh, from Bandcamp Daily. She's going to be a, a part of the live stream as well. Ellen Adair, she'll be here. And also Eric Gildy. Uh, all four of them have been uh, have been on this podcast before and um, they'll be taking part in the live stream. All of them have been really immersive in some aspect of their music listening. I know this because they each talked about it when they were on the show. So I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but I want to get to announcement number two, which is that I have created a new playlist, and that is actually the first piece of content that I have on the You, Me, and an Album YouTube channel. So the playlist consists of tracks from the last 30 albums that have been featured on the podcast. Specifically, I've taken one track from each of those 30 albums, mixed them up in a playlist. Uh, I did not include the most recent album featured on the show, uh, Uncle Tupelo's No Depression. And the only reason I really did that, to be honest, was that I just wanted to keep a nice even 30 albums. So uh, that will be included on the next one. I am going to do another playlist after episode 100. So I'm going to keep things in nice even numbers. And speaking of even numbers, I did do a playlist previously right after episode 40. So that playlist, as of, at least as I'm, as I'm talking to you, uh, that still currently resides on Spotify, but I will be moving that to the YouTube channel. Possibly uh, it'll even be there by the time that you're hearing this. And if not, it should be there soon. So uh, just so you know, there's already one playlist there. There will be another playlist to follow and a third playlist uh, once we reach episode 100. So uh, those are the two big announcements I have in terms of the first things that are going to be on the YouTube channel. But I want to get back to the live stream and explain just a little bit more detail what I'm doing with that. So I've told you who the guests are. I've told you the date and the time. Uh, What I haven't told you is what we're going to talk about. 
So uh, the topic that uh, we are going to discuss is how we have experienced music when we've been immersed in a single band or a single album or maybe a single music scene. This is something that for me uh, really resonates a lot because as I've talked about on a lot of the previous episodes, I my, the musical knowledge that I've had, particularly before I started this podcast, it was deep in certain very narrow areas, uh, mainly prog rock and a little bit of indie rock, but I really felt like I missed out on a lot of stuff and wanted to learn more. And of course, every week, my guests help me out with that. But my guests also tend to be very immersive, or at least some of them have been very immersive in their own listening habits, which is how they are able to talk so uh, in such detail with so much knowledge about the albums that they come on to talk about. So uh, I figured I would make use of that uh, that experience and that common link that uh, several of my guests have had with each other and that I think I have with them and uh, explore that topic of what it's what it feels like to be an immersive music listener, what's great about it, what you get out of it, maybe what you miss as a result of being immersive in your music listening habits. So those are the kinds of things that we're going to be uh, talking about. So this live stream episode gives me an opportunity to dig more into that topic than I even did on the initial episodes that I did with each of the four guests that I'm going to have on. Just to give you a better idea of what I mean by immersive listening, I'm going to go back to the episodes that the live stream guests initially appeared on. So I'm going to start with a clip from the episode that featured Eric Gildy. He talked about In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. And here he talks about in specific detail why it is he loves this album, why he chose it. And you can tell from the way that Eric talks about this album that he spent a lot of time with it. And he's also given a lot of thought to why this album is meaningful for him. So I actually listened to this album for the first time, I want to say in 2001. It is a 1998 album, I believe. So I was not in the the first wave of cool people fans for it, but but I did hop in shortly thereafter. And it was all because of a uh, actor, writer, friend who is, um, uh, for years, was kind of like my go-to for, like, what should I listen to? This guy named Ryan King. And um, he had the kind of, like, depth of knowledge in music that, like, continues to baffle me. He, you know he'd be the person who would like throw me a playlist of a band that, you know, it would seem like maybe 15 people had listened to before. And if 25 people listened to it, he'd be like, I don't know. They're too mainstream. <laughs> like just very, very, very aware of everything going on all the time. And, um, I really took to the album right away musically because it's so, there's so much going on and it's so dynamic. You've got a lot of like the low fuzzy rock sounds, the very like lo-fi um, elements to it. But at the same time, there are these like beautiful like melodies that are interfused. There's this wonderful um, variety of instruments playing uh, throughout. It's very, very playful in that way. And so that, I think, was the, the thing that initially hooked me. But then lyrically, it also just really consistently has moments that just are like 
either <laughs> they're like punches to the stomach to me, just like beautiful lines, beautiful images throughout that even though a lot of the album doesn't make literal sense lyrically, it, it kind of follows this kind of dream logic that maybe doesn't have an objective truth to it. All, by the way, we might as well say it now, somewhat inspired by Anne Frank and the diary of Anne Frank, uh, which we can get into it a bit. And so I just found that it kept rewarding me the more that I went back to it. And I think it just has this depth to it that um, that I have yet to tire of. And the, the images and um, and scenarios that are kind of discussed in it are such... There's this incredible dynamic at play where you've got like youthful wonder mixed with existential despair. You've got the sacred and the profane. You've got all of these kind of diametrically opposed forces kind of like talking to each other throughout in the content. And, um, and I just love that tension. All right, so I'm going to uh, move on to another clip. This one is from Rebecca Clay Cole. Now, as I mentioned before, she's been on this podcast twice already. But for both episodes, she chose to talk about Jimmy Buffett. So I don't think it is at all a stretch to, uh, to say that Rebecca is very immersive in her uh, listening and in her relationship with Jimmy Buffett's music. And so I've actually taken a couple of clips here to better illustrate that. So here's Rebecca talking about exactly how much she loves the music of Jimmy Buffett. So, uh, well, let's uh, let's get into uh, Jimmy Buffett here. And before we, we, you know, funnel down to this particular song, um, are you a Buffett fan just in general? I am a really I don't know if you'll talk to anyone in indie rock who loves Jimmy Buffett more than me. And, uh, and if you do, please, please connect us because I think we're, we would have a great time. <laughs> so obviously Rebecca's really into Jimmy Buffett. Uh, that's very, very clear from that clip and from uh, both of the episodes that she did, but she also expanded on why she really likes Jimmy Buffett's music, why it means a lot to her. And so I've got another clip here from Rebecca where she talks about something that actually has come up on a lot of episodes, which is how music that a lot of us love is really, it's an extension of our connections to our friends and to our family. And so in this case, Rebecca talks about how her family is really instrumental in her becoming acquainted with Jimmy Buffett's music and in her really developing a strong bond with his music. You know, it's funny. I didn't rebel against my mom's. My mom has really awesome musical taste. I mean, she still does. And my brother and I have this playlist because sometimes he lives in Portland here with me. So sometimes we don't get together as a family, but he and I will get together and it's called Mom's Kitchen. And it's like, it's just all the music she would listen to when she was cooking for us as kids. And it's great, you know, and there's a lot of Jimmy Buffett on there. So I didn't ever really rebel against my mom's taste. I mean, maybe a little bit, but like, ultimately, I think most of it holds up now. And I'm grateful that that's, you know, I was exposed to these different sorts of music from her. Like she loved, you know, she loved Motown, you know, she loved, oh my gosh, like she loved Teddy Pendergrass. Like she loved Marvin Gaye. She loved Jimmy Buffett, Joni Mitchell, Simon and Garfunkel. 
And then, like, into the 80s, you know, she loved Luther Vandross. She loved K.T. Oslin. So, like, it's, you know, it was cool. Yeah, no, it's good that you didn't rebel against that. <laughs> None. Some pretty cool music there. I mean, at some time, I'm sure there was a point where I was like, please stop listening to Jimmy Buffett when I was a teenager. I mean, you know, I'm sure it was around a lot, but I never, I honestly did not realize this music was uncool. Again, back to me just being a sheltered kid. Like, I grew up on a farm, and then I grew, went to the island, and, like, a lot of white people in the Caribbean like Jimmy Buffett. That's not unusual. Like, a lot of people are, like, you know, expatriated rednecks doing their boat fantasy down there. Like, it's he writes music for and about that. So it didn't seem weird to like him there. It wasn't until I moved to Denver and was going to a Jimmy Buffett concert with a friend and I... I mean, I didn't see a parrot head until I was 19. I didn't understand what that culture <laughs> was until I actually went to a Jimmy Buffett show and saw that firsthand and realized that's what everyone thought of it. It wasn't like some, like, decades going, like, singer-songwriter guy with a great band. I mean, that's not what my friends thought of him at all. So it was kind of a shock to me because I always thought he was like a... Like, he, he was on the shelf next to Jerry Jeff Walker, and Johnny Cash. Like, he was just, that was where he sat, I mean, probably alphabetically now that I think about it, but he fit into that for me, and I never realized that the world disagreed. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to talking to Rebecca more about uh, her her bond with Jimmy Buffett's music, and I know there's some other artists, or at least I'm, I'm assuming there are some other artists that uh, Rebecca maybe has a similar affinity to, so I'm looking, looking forward to uh, talking about that. And uh, Elena Dare, when she was first on the show, uh, she chose the uh, the mixtape. I almost said album, but it is a mixtape. The mixtape coloring book by Chance the Rapper. And she talked about a different kind of connection that she forged with that uh, mixtape and with uh, some of the music that she loves. So in particular, she talked about how that mixtape for her provided a, a spiritual and emotional connection. The the main reason that I chose it is that it's one of the few, uh, well, I guess I could say compilations you said releases earlier uh, to sort of encompass both albums and mixtapes um, that I just, I can't live without it. So if you are sending me to a desert island with three compilations of music, this is one of them. I just love it. I, I need it in my life. And... A lot of that is thematic to me, probably. Um, but I, I think to me, it, its theme is perfectly rendered in its music, and it just lifts me up. It's a mixtape that just when I heard it, the way that I experience it anyway, it, it meets me exactly where I am in my conversation with God, which is it's not something I talk about frequently because I have at this point in my life my own sort of syncretized system of faith, but it is actually the most important thing to me personally. And I don't want to turn this into a conversation about religion because my hope really is that people can enjoy this mixtape even if they're not religious. Like my sweet husband calls himself a compassionate nihilist and he also likes it. Uh, so I don't think he maybe has the relationship to it that I do, but I think this music can be for anybody. So I thought that was pretty interesting uh, what, what Ellen had to say there about why she loves coloring books so much. And uh, again, looking forward to exploring that more on the uh, upcoming live stream. And we've got one more guest here, Mariana Timoney uh, from Bandcamp Daily. 
Uh, she's also been on a couple of episodes. So she introduced me to the quasi album Field Studies. And then because she and I are both big fans of Slater Kinney, uh, we did a whole episode where we ranked uh, all nine of their albums, or at least at that point, they had not yet released the 10th album. So we ranked the nine albums they had released so far. Uh, but related to her fandom uh, of, of Slater Kinney, uh, Mariana talked about how that particular fandom then spawned a relationship with with other kinds of music and other groups and how she just went from listening to this one group to exploring a whole bunch of others well i was into uh the pacific northwest scene when i was a teenager um i was like obsessed with like the riot girl stuff that had been coming out of olympia um i was slightly too young to have been part of it you know i was getting into the music around 97 98 which at the time felt like I was a million miles away from it, but looking back, it was only like two years <laughs> late, right? But of course I didn't have that perspective then. Um, and I was just super into it. And like I said about following the breadcrumb trails, that it was just a way to like, oh, Corn was in Heavens to Betsy, I'll listen to that band. Oh, Heavens to Betsy, like, you know, played with Bratmobile, I'll listen to them getting the Kill Rockstars stuff in the mail and they always had like an insert with their entire catalog and just going through and being like, okay, I'll listen to Comic Gain. Okay, I'll listen to this. And um, just really connecting the dots. And I was super, I loved the fact that they had a scene, you know, and all the bands knew each other and it was just this huge, big movement. Um, and that's what was really cool about when it actually happened to me, like in Los Angeles, like it was very easy to recognize, like, wait, this is cool. What's going on right now? Because I had just really immersed myself sort of secondhand in that Pacific Northwest scene that had happened in the late, well, through the nineties and in the beginning of the two thousands. So I could certainly relate to Mariana's experience of going down a rabbit hole. In fact, I went down a similar rabbit hole uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, listening to Slater Kinney and, and discovering them uh, much later than she did, obviously. But then using that as a launch point to uh, to explore a whole bunch of other music. So it's always cool when that happens. And uh, that's a very particular kind of immersive listening experience. And I know that uh, Mariana's going to explore that a little bit more uh on the live stream. So anyways, that just gives you a little bit of a, I guess, preview maybe isn't exactly the right word, but maybe some background in terms of the types of relationships that each of my four guests have had with music that they love. And so, like I said before, I'm looking forward to exploring that more, not only in terms of the music that they talked about on previous episodes of you, me and an album, but maybe finding about some, some other bands or some other albums that they're really into and, what what that has meant to them. And again, both of the, the positive side of what we get out of that kind of listening experience, but also ways that maybe that can limit us as well. So if uh, by talking about this has maybe raised some questions for you that you would like to ask uh, one or maybe all of the guests, uh, I would hope that you uh, that you share those questions and you've got at least a couple of ways to do them. First of all, I do hope that you can watch the live stream as it airs live. And again, that's going to be on Monday, June 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. And there'll be a, a chat in uh, 
in the YouTube session there. So you can just ask those uh, questions in real time. But if you have questions now, and particularly if maybe you feel like you're not going to be able to watch the live stream in real time, uh, feel free to send me the questions. I'd say probably the easiest way to do that is to DM them to me, either on Twitter or Instagram. So you can do that at at YouMeAlbum on Twitter or on Instagram. It's the same handle, both places. And just DM me your questions. Just let me know what the question is and who the question is for. And again, it could be for the whole, the whole group or one or more members of the group. Uh, so uh, either way, whether you show up and ask the questions live or uh, send them to me ahead of time, either way, I will get to as many questions as I can. I'll try to get to all of them. Uh, do my very best to do that. And um, if you are not able to make the live stream when it airs initially, I will be publishing it as a podcast in a couple of weeks. So um, you can look forward to that as well. So I thank you very much uh, again for listening. I thank you in advance if you do uh, either listen to the live stream, watch the live stream live, or if you catch it on a future episode, uh, either way, I thank you. Thank you for your support of this podcast. And Hoping to see lots of you there on Monday. So until then, everybody, do take care. And of course, listen to some great music.